Hello, this is David Bianco and welcome to the channel. Today we're going to be focusing on sound. How is it delivered in a system? What are the key components? And what makes the most difference to give you the sound you most desire and enjoy? And most importantly, how do you do that without going broke? That's coming up next on our Safe and Sound Texas audio excursion. Well, this is a topic that really is near and dear to my heart. You see, when I started the channel back in March of 2022, one of my reasons for doing it was to kind of take my experience and share it and also try to help common people, common folks out there who aren't the high-end audiophiles or the people that are buying, you know, five, six-figure type systems, tens of thousands of dollars, but to put the system together to be able to enjoy it and not go broke because it's really great to be able to actually buy some records <laughs> and you need some scratch to do that. So this topic has been kind of been building for me. I've had a lot of discussions with folks in the vinyl community and I've also uh, gathered a lot of data over the years and done testing of equipment and um, the bottom line is there are some basic principles that exist. And you don't have to be super technical to really understand them. Although, if you want to get in the weeds and get into specs and get into a lot of other things, you can do that as well. But for me, it always translates into a simple bottom line. How does it sound? Exactly. Because that's all that really matters. I've had experiences where people think my system doesn't sound that great to them. And I've heard their systems and thought maybe their system didn't sound that great to me either. And a lot of it has to do with our preferences. What are the things we like? What are the emphasis points that we want? Do we really like the deep bass and the hard punching sound? Or do we like that pushed back a bit? Maybe our living space and our living environment dictates that we can't have that as much. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons that has been stated for Japanese pressings. The mastering engineers there uh, don't make them as robust on the bottom end and give them a little extra push on the top end because that is more satisfying to that market. So yes, you can even choose pressings that bias one way or another in those kind of sounds as well. But here talking about components, there basically are two major transducers in a system related to vinyl. And the first is at the beginning of the chain, and the other is at the end of the chain. You remember the word chain? We talked a lot about the mastering chain when the MoFi scandal came out, and, and how is this going through the process of getting made? Where are the tapes? Where does that start? Is there digital in the middle? What's going on from cradle to grave to get it onto that vinyl? Well, similarly, in our own systems, we start with a turntable and a cartridge and we end with speakers or headphones, the things that deliver it. Now, ironically, 
<clears throat> that cartridge and those speakers or headphones are the only transducers really in the system. And they are the real keys to make the most difference. What do I mean by that? Well, speakers have a characteristic or a type of sound to them. They also will deliver that in a way that may sound different given the room they're in, uh, given the treatments in the room. Is there a lot of glass in the room? How is the room shaped? Is it carpeted? Uh, where is your sitting position? Uh, there's all sorts of dynamics. But the bottom line is certain speakers have a certain characteristic or sound to them, so to speak, that emphasize or de-emphasize certain sweet spots in the chain of music. And that is your lowest hertz, 20 hertz, up to 20,000 hertz, which you can't even really hear, of course. It's more the imaging of that higher end that goes on. And so, uh, you know, although they all say they can deliver that range, there are other things that have to do with it. The characteristic of the components, the crossover that changes uh, from from the, uh, let's say, the woofer into the mid-range or the mid-range up to the tweeter. Where do those crosses occur? At what what uh, hertz level do they occur? Or kilohertz level if you're up in the upper echelons. Uh, where does that happen at? How does that speaker sound? Is the system as a speaker uh, one that is sealed or is it uh, have open air? Uh, there are all sorts of different configurations. And the bottom line is you can't really sit there and start you know getting scientific about it in my mind because it really is a matter of how it sounds in the environment that you have but remember that the speakers or the headphones are at the end of the pipeline they are what deliver the information to your ears so they're obviously very critical and you can spend a lot of money on speaker systems or you can spend less money. And it doesn't mean that you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars or even thousands of dollars. There's very respectable speaker systems that are out there that are in the hundreds of dollars a pair. Now, are they going to fill a huge room? Obviously not. Some speakers, depending on their sensitivity, need more amplification to deliver the sound to you. So you have to look at that. The lower the number on the sensitivity, the more power you need. So if you want a, an efficient speaker that doesn't take a lot of power, you've got to have a higher figure there in decibels in order to match it. Now, that is one end of the equation, the delivery of the sound. But let's go to the start. You have, of course, the vinyl itself and the quality of it. We've all dealt with that, whether it's the pressing and whether it's clean or whether it's worn or whether it's scratched, we have the source. So the cleanest source, the better. Now, what is reading that source? Well, that's where we get into the cartridge and the stylus. And that is where the magic is at, right? That's where the, here's a Audio-Technica 
This is an older AT, I think 12 or 14 SA. This is specifically used for decoding CD4 quadraphonic records because it can go to 50,000 hertz to do something very special to decode that. Now, that's a special need, but that cartridge has a certain sound signature to it because it can get up into that range. So it has a little brighter sound to it. Now, cartridges and brands all deliver a different sound. So the beauty of it is, with the turntables of today, where we have removable head shells, you can have multiple cartridges uh, mounted on these head shells and change out the head shell. Now, you often have to calibrate the weight of the counterweight on that to make sure you have uh, it, it balanced properly and then set the weight, whether it's a 1.5 grams or 2.0 grams. Uh, whatever the recommendation is, but you have that flexibility. It's not uh, hardwired and, and hard head shelled into it for many of the more recent turntables that are out there. So you really, you know, if you can audition uh, cartridges, you really get a totally different type sound. To my ears, for example, in general, Audio-Technica cartridges are really good across the spectrum, but they, they tend to really, for me, give me a little better low end, they give me a little better top end. They're not totally neutral. So they have a little bit of a personality, and I like that sound for myself. Now, there are other brand cartridges that have other signatures. For example, one of the more popular cartridges that has been out there for the last few years has been the Nagaoka MP-110. Now, uh, is a very popular cartridge, uh, and it has a very smooth sound signature. And it's very, in my opinion, and on my system, and I've heard it on other systems, it's very neutral. In other words, it doesn't really give you that bright, high, you know, that, that you know, real crisp sound on, let's say, a cymbal. And the bass isn't quite, doesn't reach down quite as much. But it is very good neutrally, and it has great mid-range, but... For me, it's just not an exciting cartridge. It doesn't really do much for me. And But for some people, it's, it's the piece de resistance, and that is fine. But that company makes some other cartridges in their line, which are more expensive, an MP150, an MP200. You know, and these cartridges, the, the 110's about $150, and the, the, one, uh, the 150, I think, is around $250, and I think the, the, the one above that, the 200, is about $400. So you're moving up, but you have to replace the whole cartridge there to move up that line. Whereas a brand like Audio-Technica, they have Siri, they have the AT95 series, they have the ML540 series, and you can actually change just the stylus, meaning basically the needle and the encasement around it on that cartridge body to move from like an elliptical stylus to what's called a micro line or a shibata. Shibata is what this type is for CD4 because it needs to get down in that groove to pick up that whole signal for CD4. These particular different styles of design provide you a different way for that needle to get down into that groove to read just a little bit more information. So you can actually 
upgrade the cartridge with just a stylus change without having to buy the body. Now, the stylus is the most expensive part, so you might choose to say, well, I'm just going to buy a couple of those cartridges and have them on different head shells and just change them out. That's perfectly fine as well. But the stylus determines how it's going to ride on the record and into the groove and that's very critical. Is it going to be able to make good contact and read that record well? That's extremely critical. And then how is the cartridge going to decode that? And that information goes from the cartridge into what's called a phono stage or a phono preamp and that brings up the the uh, level or the voltage from the low voltage cartridge and brings it up to be able to be amplified and it brings it up to a kind of a line level like a cd player would be an auxiliary in or a line in and it brings it up to that level so that it then can be amplified so you can see on the front end of this it makes a big difference so if you start with a cartridge that isn't to your liking it's going to be hard for anything to replicate downstream in a way that makes it better sure your speakers can compensate for that but really finding the sweet spot on a cartridge that is compatible with what you like is extremely important one of the analogies i use when it comes to systems are pipes think of a pipe system so let's say you have a one inch pipe and it's going to have a flow through that pipe and if all things are equal they, that distribution will come across and end up on the output side at the same level but take any piece of the componentry and go from a one inch to a half inch well that is going to change the ability of that stream to go with a constant flow it's going to be slowed down it's going to be affected by that and obviously if you start out with a half inch pipe at the beginning that's that's it that's where you're starting right you know so you've got to start with that that right size you've got to start with something that is in fact giving you as much as possible right from the start very important much more important actually than let's say amplification yes amplifiers can sound different both in construct whether they're solid state or tube or a hybrid uh, they can sound different because of uh, some of the circuitry that's in it. it can sound different because of the amplification wattage that it has and and so these all affect it but again it's got to start with that source that sounds a way that is very compatible with your preferences similarly when it delivers that amplification delivers to your speaker wires or your headphone jack that particular output it has to have a compatibility with the sound signature that you like i mean headphones sound amazingly different among them all and uh it's very difficult you know to just go on amazon and pick one and go oh, that's going to be the one uh that's really not a great way in the and I don't even know maybe some of the best buys still have the ability to you know test out these things you definitely want one that has a return policy uh, in case it doesn't sound as well as you like and you can't sample it but you know these are the things where you have to determine what the sound
sound signature is that makes the most sense to you. The other thing is when you come to amplification, more isn't always better. Be careful on that. The number of watts, because how much you need to drive the average of what you're listening to isn't nearly as much as what's needed for, you know, a kick drum or something, a bass that, you know, it just is a peak. It just hits it and draws from the amplification and then it, it, it layers out. So we are thinking about what is needed for the room for the speakers we talked about the sensitivity level and you need more power if the sensitivity level number is a lower number so you have to make all these things match but you definitely can easily get by with amplification that has 40 or 50 watts a channel if it's not filling a huge room and if the sensitivity on the speakers is such that it doesn't take a lot to drive those speakers now the bigger they are the more power they need generally that's just moving that air that mass is going to take that but again bigger isn't always better that's true in speakers that's true in amplification it really is a matter of matching the system to not just your budget of course but what sounds best to you and there are a lot of options that are out there uh, I had been buying since the 80s NAD amplification usually the integrated amp series like a 3140 it's only rated at 40 watts a channel but it's got plus 3d of headroom so it can deal with those peaks all day long it can take speakers down to two ohms no problem whatsoever so it's kind of a workhorse and it does the job right polk audio speakers i've used you know these are ones that can get you down into the lower reaches uh the minor towers and and they can get you down there without the need for a subwoofer um and to me a subwoofer i only use when i'm you know playing movies or things like that i really want my speakers and my system to deliver the bass that i need with the speaker itself now obviously if you have a uh, you have a bookshelf or something that's really small you might need something to boost that along that you know makes perfect sense with a, a really small speaker but you really need to size match these things to the sound that makes the sweet spot for you and don't think that it costs a lot of money NAD 3140, for example, amps, you, either they're a vintage amp made in the 80s. <clears throat> you can get those for two, three hundred dollars. Uh, and they're workhorses. They've been around a long time. Make sure you get one that's been serviced and recapped, for example. And, and that amp will last you a long time. It's got two phono inputs. I mean, I can literally do AB switching between my two turntables right with that amp. Two channel amp. Uh, it's, it, you know, it just, it just works. And it has a, it has a, uh, uh, ability for the variability of the impedance input of the cartridge based on a switch on the back for one of the phono inputs so you know what more can you ask for but you know a lot of things today you know you pick them up and they're really light and there's you know there's a circuit board in there and a really small power supply and they got a remote control of course but they're you know they really aren't 
audio file or audio sensitive kind of equipment. They're more delivering AV, audio video type signals, and they're much broader. And, and if you need that, that's fine. But understand there are limits on the audio side with those kind of things. Whereas some of these things back in the day, so to speak, um, they were workhorses for the money. Adcom is another example of a brand that was from then. Now, do they make things like that today? Yeah, they do. But but they're they're pricier. They're in the upper hundreds levels and thousands levels. So, you know, you trying to keep a system, you know, in a two to three thousand dollar cost max, you know, uh, and again you don't even have to you don't really have to get much beyond a thousand to have a really good sounding system. So really think about these components. Think about that that flow that has to happen through there and that that you know that that analogy of the pipe where you have to have something sized right in order to get things to flow properly so if you start bad at one end you're gonna the flow is not going to be there to go all the way through to give you something great at the end and even if you start with a great cartridge and then your speakers aren't very good you know you're gonna that size is going to go down there and it's not going to give you the flow at the end so you really have to have this kind of this compatibility and this sound wave architecture that matches what really works for the sound that you want and so I always encourage people, listen to other people's systems, get ideas. Um, it's hard to get them out of reviews. It really is. That's a real difficulty. The ability to go into a place and listen to systems, kind of hard these days. Some of the best buys have a Magnolia and they have setups, but honestly, some of them aren't hooked up right. The people that are selling them sometimes don't know what the heck they're talking about. And, you know, it's just kind of difficult these days. We used to have some decent stores back in the 80s and 90s uh, and prior to that where you can go in and these guys knew what they were doing. Today, that's very hard to find. So I think, you know, listening to a sound and understanding your own bias, I'll call it, or preference toward this is really a key because that's how things begin. And I can tell you, I've listened to systems that are tens of thousands of dollars, and I really didn't enjoy it. And I've listened to systems that are much less than that and enjoyed it. Now, the opposite is true as well. Some really lower-end systems, I thought, oh, boy, that, 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 yeah, I guess you buy what you get. But it was like not anything at all. And I've had top-end systems that were just fabulous. But it really is the way things are matched and how it sounded to me. So really, that is the thing you need to get a really good beat on. How do things sound to you? Where is your preference? And how do you align that to picking equipment. That's really where the magic comes. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.